Hey, this is a Hakawati production. Hey, thanks for joining us. One of the things that's on everyone's mind these days, as we pause and reflect on the kind of world we want moving forward, is the environment. Global warming, air pollution, oil spills. How can we solve these now when time is running out? The answer, my friends, or at least some of it, is blowing in the wind. My next guest is the co-founder of Lebanon's first wind energy project, and it's a big one. Nassim Akar Wind Farms would power 250,000 homes in the northern part of the country. He's here today to take us inside this growing industry that has deep implications for people, our economies, and our planet. Please welcome to the show, Salah Tabara. Hey, Salah, it's great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. So what's happening with sustainable energy in the Middle East? Give us a brief overview of what the industry looks like now. Again, thank you for having me on your show. The industry is going through um, major disruption because mainly because of COVID-19. But uh, what we're seeing as an impact, as a direct impact from COVID-19 is a direct impact on the oil and gas industry, which the region is heavily relying on. So from one end, the disruption on the price levels of oil is creating a sort of a silver lining, believe it or not, by having the Gulf countries thinking twice about the future of investments in the energy sector, mainly around renewable energy. And when I say renewable energy, it's not only wind, it's wind, solar, and obviously in other parts of the world, a bit of hydro. Yeah, like Canada. (laughs) (laughs) We're also really good with wind, by the way. I was impressed with their their, their global standing. Um, So I know Saudi Arabia, they were already talking about this when they put together Vision 2030. They had a target of generating 9.5 gigawatts of renewable energy. We're going to be throwing around some numbers here. Hopefully, we'll all know what they mean by the end. Um, And by 2023, they expect 10% of their energy to be renewable energy. Lebanon has promised in 2009 at the Copenhagen Climate Summit that they would have 12% of their energy as renewable energy by 2020, which is now. Um, are big projects like this, uh, this very highly publicized $500 million Dumat al-Jandal wind farm in Saudi Arabia, which would generate enough power to supply up to 70,000 households, which is significant, are these projects being rolled out as planned? Well, uh, again, we'll go back to uh, the beginning of, of our discussion that COVID-19 has created major disruption across industries as well as in renewable energy. As you know that uh, you have the big manufacturing players in wind and in solar, uh, mainly based out of China and a bit all over Europe, that because of COVID-19 had to delay all their production into coming to life because of of the pandemic. But uh, that being said, uh, in Saudi Arabia, you have initially a big single project of 400 megawatt of wind that uh, pre-COVID-19 was supposed to go on a fast track uh, under the auspices of uh, MBS uh, 2030 uh, view of uh, 
in reshifting uh, the image of Saudi Arabia. And this is an integral part or a cornerstone of, of, of his new vision. Closer to home in Lebanon, my journey has been, and we'll get into that in a bit, but uh, it's been a 10-year-old journey. So you said it right. The Lebanese government committed that by 2020, we will have around uh, 20% from uh, 12% from renewable energy, sorry. That's that's another uh, milestone, but for 2030. So we're far away from, from that target and we'll say why in a bit, but uh, our project will fulfill a big part into the 12% uh, from, from renewable energy. Other countries that have been doing excellent and amazing work, we can name Egypt and uh, Jordan, who are uh, at par with uh, industrialized countries in really having a renewable as a cornerstone of their energy mix. Interesting, actually. And yeah. when you think about it, as we kind of um, look to create a new world at this point in time, um, when everyone has kind of paused because of COVID-19 and, um, and business as we know it has kind of you know, everyone's talking about how it will never be the same. Yeah. I th I'm not sure there's room for any other type of business than a social entrepreneurship to some degree. These are the only real growth sectors if you think of what the needs of our planet and our world are. So in that vein, is it... Um, do you, do you view this as a, an opportunity in terms of investment for people in the region? Is it a, a sector that you think is growing? Very humbly, there is no turning back on traditional methods of, of generating power. Today, climate change is not a hoax. It's, it's real and we feel it, uh, uh, specifically in, in countries that are very prone to any change in, uh, in their climate or the impact of the change on the climate. And we've seen it all over the Middle East. I mean, one of the issues we have in Lebanon, for instance, is that we have a lot of private generators. And these private generators uh, rely on uh, diesel and heavy fuel oil. And these are industries that pollute heavily. And when you have them in condensed areas, you can very easily correlate the health issues that generations are having, whether it's asthma, whether it's, you know, a lungs uh, problem. So we're coming with an alternative that we want to build the first wind farm in Lebanon, but we have a higher purpose by installing these wind turbines. I mean, this journey is 10 years old. And uh, if there wasn't purpose that's a bit bigger than the bottom line, I don't think you can be successful in that industry because we had to change uh, the whole narrative. And again, this is very humbly, I say it, Nadia, this is the first project of its kind in our young republic, meaning to say, that this is the first contract that has been signed between the private sector and the public sector for the generation of electricity, which historically has been the mandate of the central government. So the contract has been signed? The contract has been signed. We have an umbrella of a company that's managing three projects and solely in wind. 
we will be generating 225 megawatt of power. Basically, this means that once operational, these wind farms, these three wind farms under the header of Nasim Akkar, will be giving electricity from the power of the wind to 225,000 homes all over Lebanon. That's huge. That's huge. And uh, the beauty of this project, other than it's the first and all the lending institutions, it happens to be that are these are international development banks that not necess- they do not necessarily look at your bottom line per se, but they would want to see a social impact on the communities where these uh, turbines will be installed. So we'll be having around 43 turbines installed from uh, Mashta Hassan, Mashta Hamoud, which is at the northern tip of Lebanon, close to Syria, up to Fnaide. Um, it's an area um, that's quite large. Let's put it this way. Did you say 47 turbines? 43. 43? Yeah. That doesn't seem like so many. What's the holdup? 10 years? Why <laughs> Why is it not happening? I was reading about it. Um, yeah. I, I read that it would take about 18 months to complete the Absolutely. installation of the project. So why, why isn't it done yet? I mean, this is the first of its kind in Lebanon. And um, in the financing world, these are the toughest type of projects uh, to get financing because uh, they usually work like a Swiss watch. Uh, You need to have all uh, the intricate uh, equipments, uh, bolts and nuts that are synchronized in a way that uh, once you're operational, you have all your files, all, all of your files ready to go at a certain point in time. Uh, the project was awarded uh, under the guidelines of the EIB, which is the European Investment Bank. Uh, and uh, the company that was awarded the tender for the EPC, which is the engineering procurement and commissioning of the project, is... Uh, Uh, was awarded to GE, General Electric, from the U.S. And obviously you would need the financing in place, you would need all your permits in place, you would need all the authorization, the proper transport route from Tripoli port to the project sites. Um, So this is why uh, this takes time. Obviously uh, in Lebanon it took a bit longer because we had a big, timeline uh, whereby we didn't have a government in place, a president in place, very political. I don't want to go there, but this is these are the realities on the ground. Obviously, we have a new set of challenges happening now, Nadia. Uh, as you know, Lebanon is going through um, what we call a double whammy, uh, meaning to say uh, we have uh, financial and economic problems that are currently very real and this has an impact on the credibility of our country on one hand and obviously you have other issues such as COVID-19 whereby the central government was semi-closed for four to five months now. So all of this has an impact on the timeline. So we know that there are serious economic uh, and political problems currently in Lebanon but is, is the project moving forward at all? Uh, so the international lenders, um, as we said, I have four international uh, institutions that are backing our projects. 
they are very supportive and very bullish about the future of this project uh, or the three licenses that we are managing, which is Hawa Akkar, Sustainable Akkar, and Lebanon Wind Farm. They want to support these projects, but uh, because Lebanon is technically in default on its payments, on the Eurobond payments, they are waiting for an IMF uh, let's say uh, a serious IMF uh, proposal uh, because Lebanon has asked for uh, an IMF aid uh, that is yet to come because the program that was presented, and this is what we hear in the news, hasn't been uh, bulletproof by not only the political parties in the country, but they would want to have a broad social acceptance by the Lebanese. And this is quite tricky because you can't really quantify it. But uh, the international lenders are saying, once we see seriousness by the central government on an IMF program, we are ready to release the funds that have already been approved by the boards of these four institutions. So it's uh, hopefully just a matter of time. Nobody knows how long. Um, w- would a project like that be able, which is far in the north of the country, can wind power be transported, you know, many kilometers away, for example, to power a city like Beirut, which is, I'm not sure how many kilometers away, but quite yeah, a few. Yeah. Well, uh, I, de- I mean, uh, technically, yes, but you, you would have a lot of losses on the transmission network because our transmission network, one of its problems is that it's old and needs uh, some serious upgrades. But that being said, the areas we're working in, which is specifically Akkar, has been uh, quite uh, on the loose end uh, vis-a-vis the support that it has got from uh, the central state. Uh, It's an area that has been forgotten uh, for all kinds of reasons. So we really want to produce that electricity uh, for Akkar. And it makes sense because the project is in that area. So just imagine uh, currently these these villages are seeing two to three hours of electricity today. What happens when they get electricity for 24 hours a day? What type of change and impact this would have on their lives? And, and you know, electricity is a basic human right now. So its impact... Uh, could be compounded positively on all levels. And that's what makes us awake at night, that we need this project to not only help these people, but help all of Lebanon. Because, listen, Nadia, if we succeed in this project, this could be the cornerstone project for the new Lebanon. You replicate this across all industries. You can have the private sector working hand-in-hand with the public sector. And you'll just, you know, relieve the central government from all the corruption, all the inefficiencies that we find uh, very clearly in a lot of industries, institutions, and what have you. Yeah, especially if you have these external uh, financial institutions that are lending support that are not going to let things slide. (laughs) They're watching very carefully. Is it typical for these kinds of projects to be funded by uh, outside institutions or are they usually uh, funded by the government of that country? Uh, These are private initiatives uh, that have a direct impact on, on a national level. 
And these development banks usually look for these type of projects. They wouldn't want to invest in a coal power plant because that's obsolete and that has a big impact on climate change. They're lending us a hand because they believe that the private sector is able to deliver on its commitments and having a state-of-the-art project with best practices in place. And it's a way to say that, you know what, entrepreneurs with good ideas in the developing world should get our support because our support has a direct impact on climate change and thus on the sustainability of mankind. Now, um, this is these are big words, but this is the reality of of the current times. Um, you talked about wind corridors, and when I was looking into this, it seems like offshore wind farms are also the big thing now. When you don't have enough land, for example, in a very densely populated area, there's the option of building um, some kind of platform offshore. I was reading that um, 80% of, of the wind or something is generated over waters that are 60 feet deep or more. So you have much more wind on the water, yeah. which in a country like Lebanon, you'll have a lot of water in many of these countries uh, around yeah. the Mediterranean Sea. Um, is this something that you considered? Is this something that that there's also buzz about um, in a place like Lebanon or in the rest of the Middle East? Having the wind farms or the wind turbines installed offshore versus onshore is mainly a regulation obstacle. But that being said, if you go for the offshore option, you would have to invest a bit more than the onshore, but you wouldn't have the headache related to the social impact. You would have... Uh, Environmental impact, perhaps, because in, you have to drill into the sea seafloor to have the... the exactly. The pillars to hold up yeah. the platform, and, and then there's the problem of accessing the wind turbines when, they need, uh, when they need maintenance. Absolutely. And then you get into a whole other... Exactly. Uh, so this yeah. has this has an impact on the cost mm-hmm. of, of the project. Um, and it will directly impact on uh, on the cost you would be selling the electricity to the to the grid. Salah, thanks so much for enlightening us, and best of luck with your project and everything else. Thank you, Nadia, for having me. Um, parting words, last sentence is for the young entrepreneurs all over the Arab world that uh, you hold the future in your own hands. Okay, it's easier said than done. But never, never, never let anyone tell you you can do it. Follow your dream, make it happen, and renewables is the future, irrespective of what anyone says. I love it. That's it. Hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you'll know when we have a new episode. And as usual, be sure to check us out on social media where we have lots of good stuff waiting for you. Lots of love. See you next time.